as we've been uh, going through the uh, the book of Acts, we've been studying uh, the we've been studying the life of of the Apostle Paul here lately, and uh, and it's been an interesting study. I feel like that I feel like we've learned some things about the Apostle Paul that perhaps we didn't really know before. I've seen some I've seen some things in his life that uh, that kind of helps you to understand a little bit more of his personality. Sometimes we feel like that these, that these people in the Bible that, you know, it, it, if, if it talks about them in the Bible, they must be just like, oh, you know, holy and just uh, going around like this all the time and everything, but, the, but not, not so. That's not how they were. And uh, the Apostle Paul has shown us a little bit of that. Uh, but, uh, but through it all, through it all, I'm, I appreciate seeing his faithfulness. His dedication to, to Jesus Christ and his, his dedication to, to the gospel work that, uh, that he was called to do. And uh, today we're going to continue, uh, continue our study through Acts. We're in Acts chapter 20 today. And uh, Lord willing, we'll make, it, we'll make it through this chapter. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going not gonna to take a, a, a ton of time uh, on the, each and every verse. But we, we do want to read, uh, read most of this and see what the Lord has for his people uh, the Bible tells us that these things were given for our edification, for us to learn and to grow from it. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for us. Uh, it's profitable for, uh, for doctrine. That teaches us the things that we should believe and shows us what's right. It's, it's profitable for reproof. It shows us where we're, where we're wrong or cautions us against making a wrong choice. Uh, it's, it's profitable for correction so that when we have done wrong and we've been reproved for it, we, we know how to make it right. We know how to get it right. And then it's profitable for instruction in righteousness. It shows us how to continue living a life that's right with God. And so we want to, we want to learn and grow. Uh, and if, there, if we've had some wrong ideas, we want, to, we want to get rid of those. And we want to have the right ideas, the things that God has from his word for us and the examples that he lays out for us in his word here. So Acts chapter 20, the Bible tells us, And after the uproar was ceased, Paul called unto him the disciples and embraced them and departed for to go into Macedonia. Now the uproar that it's talking about, you will remember from last week, how Paul and his, his entourage were there in Ephesus and they were serving and they were ministering and, and uh, Demetrius, the silversmith, saw that his, that his livelihood was being threatened because people were no longer buying his, his little statues of the goddess Diana. They were turning to Christ and turning away from idolatry so they weren't buying his, his trinkets and his little idols and things like that. And so his, his business, his livelihood was being threatened. So he went and stirred up the people and caused a riot. He incited a riot and many people got just caught up in the riot, didn't know what they were rioting about. They just were rioting because everybody else was. Well, he's screaming and yelling, so I'm going to scream and yell too. He's throwing rocks. I'm going to throw rocks. He's breaking windows. I'm going to break some windows. I'm, I'm just going to do with what the, what the crowd does. You know, that'll get you in trouble. Don't do that. Don't just do what the crowd does. And, but the Bible says, when the uproar ceased, Paul called unto him the disciples and embraced them and departed to go into Macedonia. He said, he said hey guys, we're going we're gonna to go into Macedonia. Now he had, he had been over there, he had been ministering over in Macedonia, and he had left there and gone to, to, to Ephesus. Uh, but he was going to head back that way. And when he had gone over those parts and had given them much exhortation, he came into Greece and there abode three months. And when the Jews laid wait for him as he was about to sail into Syria, he purposed to return 
through Macedonia. So he, he went up a little bit. He went through Macedonia and into Greece. And he was, going to, he was going to just turn around and just go right back through there because he heard that some Jews were laying wait for him. They were, they were plotting to ambush him, to attack him uh, for multiple reasons. One, many of them wanted to, wanted to just do away with the Apostle Paul. Another reason was he had some guys traveling with him who were sent to, to go with him from the many churches that he had planted along the way. And we're going to talk about those guys in just a minute. And these guys were serving with him, but, one of the, but what they were doing, one of their main missions was they were carrying money. They were carrying money from those churches that those churches had, had gathered together and were sending with, with these men to go to the church in Jerusalem to help the, the, the church there that was going through a very, very hard time, uh, a very difficult time. And, uh, and they, they gave this money. And the Bible, the Bible tells us, uh, shows us that these men, they were laboring together. And, and you know, it's not always easy to labor together. Uh, you, it, it probably hasn't taken, uh, they're on your, on your job. It probably didn't take very long for you to serve on your job, for you to work on your job before somebody made you mad. Even if you work all by yourself, you probably got mad at, at the guy that you look at in the mirror uh, because he did something that just frustrated you, right? It doesn't take you long to get, to get frustrated with people because people are human beings, right? And human beings are sinners. And sinners sin, and sinners are prideful, and sinners do things that rub them the wrong way, and that rub you the wrong way, and 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 that's just how we are, uh, husbands and wives. You've probably noticed that the that that you probably argue with each other more than you argue with anybody else, right? Well, because you're around each other more. And if you're like, well, we never have a fight, then I'm wondering if you really ever spend time together, because because. You, you will argue with those that you're around more. You'll get frustrated with those that you're, that you're around more. The, the more you serve in the church, the more that you're going to find that I'm, I'm not perfect. And those that, those that have served around here with us, they're like, amen. Just don't say it too loudly, okay? We want people to think nicely. Uh, but hey, I, I'm a, I, I sin. I, I, hate, I hate it. I don't like doing that. But as quickly as possible, I endeavor to make it right. And as we labor together, there's going to be times when we have to make things right with one another. See, we have this idea that, that because we're Christians, nobody should ever make us mad. And because they're Christians, they should never do anything against us. They should never, uh, they should never upset me they should, you know, because we're Christians. But the Bible tells us one of the things that Christians are to do is to forbear. You know what that basically means? It means to put up with each other. You put up with each other long enough and Jesus will help you grow in love for one another and it won't be so hard to put up with each other. Uh, but but we have to, to kind of learn to put up with some quirks. Have you ever noticed that people around you are quirky? They've noticed that about you too. And, and we, we have these quirks. I always tell, always tell my family, you know, uh, everyone, is, everyone is weird in their own weird way. And, and we all are. But, the, but these guys that uh, were traveling with Paul, they, they continued with him. And they were faithfully traveling with him. They saw him in, at his best. They saw him at his worst. And, and he saw them likewise, but they were committed, they were dedicated, not, they were not dedicated to Paul. 
Paul was not dedicated to them. Now, he, w- he had a commitment that he made to Jesus Christ that would lead him to, to, uh, to uh, mentor these guys and to teach them and train them. He had a, he had a commitment, uh, but, but his dedication wasn't necessarily to them specifically. His dedication was to Jesus Christ. His commitment was to Jesus Christ. And, and in that commitment, these men served together. They labored together. You know what the Bible word for that is? It's koinonia. Koinonia, that is fellowship. It's joint participation. It's where we see the responsibilities of the ministry uh, is, is just as much ours as anybody else's. It's where we, we shoulder the load together. Uh, we might have different responsibilities, di- different parts of the load that we shoulder, but we shoulder the load together. Koinonia, joint participation, mutual responsibility. It's just like a vehicle. A, a vehicle has, has many different parts, but they're all working together for the successful uh, uh, operation of that vehicle. And a church has many parts. And in order for the church to operate the way that God designed the church to operate, every part needs to be doing its part. We need to be doing our job as part of the church. We need to be serving together, laboring together. And and the more we serve together, the more we're going to find that we're reaching people in different places with the gospel. Maybe we're going to find some people who are already saved and they're going to be encouraged to serve with us in the gospel ministry. And we're going to be able to to teach and to train and mentor these folks, men, women, boys and girls, to go out and be witnesses themselves of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We see that's what Paul did. The Bible says they're accompanied him into Asia. As he, as he left, he's going back, he's going to Asia. Uh, they're, they're accompanied him, uh, Sopater of Berea. Now we remember Berea, don't we? That was the city that Paul went into and he preached and they received the word, of, the word gladly, but they searched the scriptures daily to see if a thing was so. That church, there was a church formed there, and, uh, and some people were discipled, and they, they uh, labored together, and this man Sopater was, was chosen, and he, he elected to go with Paul on his journey. And, and of the Thessalonians, the Bible says there was Aristarchus and Secundus. These are men from Thessalonica. Thessalonica was commended because they received the word gladly. Paul told them in his letter to the Thessalonians, he said, he said, uh, he said, when we preached unto you, you received it not as men's words, but as it was in truth the word of God. And, and here are Aristarchus and Secundus, they, they traveled with him, and, and then Gaius of Derby and, and Timotheus. These were men, these were men, uh, Timotheus, Timothy, uh, it was the, the young man that we saw began to travel with Paul. Gaius of Derby and Timotheus, these were men who likely saw Paul when he was stoned by the, the Jewish leaders as they threw rocks at him and left him for dead. Uh, they, uh, Gaius and, and Timotheus, they probably saw that happen with Paul, but they saw, the, they saw God give him strength to stand up and to go back and preach the gospel. And a church was formed there, and, and these men were sent out. Uh, and then the Bible says, and of Asia, there was Tychicus and Trophimus. 
These men, uh, and, and several of these, we see their names listed at other places in Scripture where they were a great encouragement to the Apostle Paul. And we want to, we want to encourage, uh, encourage one another to serve in gospel ministry and to do as God has called us to do, laboring together for the faith of the gospel. We want to see God glorified. We want to see God's work uh, continue on uh, for, uh, for uh, and, well, until, until Jesus comes and takes us home to be with him. Amen? And what it's going to take is it's going to take us laboring together just as these men labored with Paul. And, and, they, and they, they learned from him. Now, they, they, didn't, they didn't stay with him until the day he died, no. They went out, they were sent out from him to go to different places. And they went and they, some of them pastored churches. Some, some of them had like, a, like an itinerant uh, evangelistic ministry. Some of them went here and there just like Paul did preaching. But these men labored together for one purpose, the gospel. They, 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 were, uh, they served with Paul. They, uh, they stood with Paul. When Paul was persecuted, when Paul was attacked, these men stood with him. In fact, when they were in Ephesus, if we, look, if we look back into chapter 19, the Bible tells us that Aristarchus and Gaius, those men who were traveling with him that we just read their names, they were, they were grabbed by the crowd and carried into the theater. Not to watch a movie or anything like that. They were brought in there because they wanted, to, they wanted to, to, to beat them. They wanted to maybe throw them to the lions or something like that. They wanted to punish them. They wanted to do away with these guys because they were, they were uh, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. But, but what's encouraging is after their very lives were threatened, we see them just a few verses later continuing on, laboring faithfully, just going on and going on and going on. You know, ministry's not, uh, the, the, the gospel ministry, the Christian life, it's not a bed of roses. It's, it's not smooth sailing. So often when, when, churches, uh, when churches preach and they, they try to encourage people to trust in Christ as their Savior, they, they, they present it as if, as if, hey, everything from this point on is just going to be amazing but I'll tell you what it's hard you know why because Satan draws a target on your back and he begins fighting against you and the world is fighting against you see uh, the Bible tells us we have three enemies the world the flesh and the devil and, and, and we, can, we could be like, we could be like uh, some in the past, well, even, even in our day and time, uh, we, could, we could close ourselves off and be, be like a monk, you know, somewhere, close ourselves off. We could be a hermit and, and just close out the world and not let the world uh, uh, touch us, not be influenced by the world at all. But you, ha- you have that kind of approach and you're not going to be an influence on the world either. I'm not saying just open yourself up to every influence of the world, but I am saying don't close yourself off so that you can't be an influence on them, right? But, uh, but you can close yourself off from the world if you want to. Then the, then, uh, the next, uh, another one, uh, the devil, the Bible says the devil's going to come and tempt you. He's going, to, he's going to try to lure you into things that are displeasing to God. He's going to accuse you. He's going to, uh, to uh, put suggestions in your, in your mind, things like that, to get you to, to doubt God, to get you to doubt God's word, to get you to be unfaithful. He's going to tempt you to draw you away. But you know what the Bible says? The Bible says resist the devil and he'll flee from you. And, and if, uh, if, you, if you look at that and study that out, it's not just a one-time, uh, a one-time thing. 
You have to resist him and you have to keep on resisting, but eventually he will leave. Just like when, when the tempter, when the devil went to Jesus to tempt him, he, he brought up one temptation and Jesus said, it is written, he resisted the devil. And you know what the devil did? He said, well, how about this? And he, he brought another temptation and Jesus said, well, it is written. And, uh, and, the devil, and you know what the devil did? He said, well, what about this? He tempted him again. He just kept coming at him, but Jesus kept answering him and resisting him with the word of God. And the Bible says, then the devil left him. He left him for a season. That meant, that meant he came back. And that's what he'll do to you too. You resist the devil and he'll flee. But guess what? He'll come back. But you got to keep resisting him. You can close out the world. You can resist the devil. But there's one, one enemy that you're not going to get away from as long as you're in this life. And that's this flesh. This flesh stays with you. It has desires. It has drives. It has uh, uh, longings that, uh, that will lead you into sin. So the Bible says that we, we, ha- we have to, we have to uh, let the Spirit of God be in control. We have to keep our body in subjection. Lest when we've preached to others, we would be castaways. We would fall away, not, not lose salvation. I'm not saying that because once you're saved, you are saved. You are sealed by the Spirit of God until the day of redemption. But you, but you could damage your testimony and be rendered ineffective in the work of the ministry. Paul and these men had their flesh to deal with. They had the world to deal with. They had the devil that they, were, that they were fighting against. But you know what they did? They committed themselves. Why? Because they had a purpose, and that purpose was the gospel. But they were called by Jesus Christ, and they were dedicated to him who was dedicated to them. Jesus was so dedicated to us that he went to the cross, despised the shame, went through the suffering, the literal uh, brutality, the mutilation of his body by, uh, by the cat of nine tails and the, and the, the reeds and, and the, everything that he was beaten with. Jesus took that for me and you and then let those guys drive nails through his hands and through his feet. He let them put a crown of thorns on his head and beat it down on his head, driving those thorns deep into his brow. And he endured that pain. He gave his life's blood. Why? Because he was dedicated to me and you. He was going to purchase our salvation so that we could have eternal life with him. And so Sopater and Aristarchus and Secundus and Gaius and Timotheus and Tychicus and Trophimus and, uh, and, and there's one other that's not mentioned here uh, but his name is Paul and we see, he, we see him because he says and we sailed away. See Paul is the one writing this. He didn't name himself but he was traveling with them. Uh, Paul, uh, a Greek who, who was traveling with them and he uh, he uh, is the one that recorded the, the, the gospel according to Luke and then uh, recorded the book of Acts. Uh, but these guys were, were committed for the gospel. They wanted to see people saved. They wanted to see lives changed. And I'm thankful for those that God has brought along to serve together with, uh, with us in the gospel ministry. I'm thankful for each of you as you are, as you are learning and serving. But let me encourage you, let me encourage you to, uh, to, to uh, get involved in some way of serving, some area of service. 
Don't just, don't just be a, a bench warmer coming to church and, and sitting on the seat and just warming that pew for just, a, uh, just a, an hour or so and then going your way throughout the week. Hey, let's get in and serve together. The Bible says serve the Lord with gladness. Let's, let's find a, a way to serve the Lord together. Koinonia, mutual responsibility uh, and, and, uh, and uh, serving the Lord together. These folks served together. They stood together. They encouraged one another. They encouraged, they were there when, when they were going through difficult times. They were encouraging one another, praying for one another, uh, give, uh, reminding one another of the promises of Jesus Christ, reminding one another of what God had done, and they were there to encourage one another, but they're also there to learn from one another. They're learning. They, they were traveling with Paul because he was the, he was the one that God had, had sent out and they were traveling with him to learn from him, to, uh, to be mentored by him so that they could go and do what he, uh, what he uh, taught them to do. Uh, Paul later tells Timothy, he said, the things that you've learned from me, the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, and these are a lot of those witnesses, he said, the, the same, commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. One of the problems is we run shy on faithful men. Let me encourage you, be a faithful man. Be faithful to your, to your family. Be faithful to your wife. Be faithful to, to God. Be faithful to the church. Be a faithful man. Don't be a wishy-washy man that is, uh, that is only faithful to himself. Be a faithful man who can serve, who, can, who, will, who, will, who will take initiative to commit to something and then follow through and do it. Hey, let's be faithful as we serve the Lord together. Let's, let's, make, let's make commitments and let's follow through. God wants us, hey, the reason that we have a church today is because people throughout history were teaching faithful men who taught faithful men who taught faithful men. And that's how we have the gospel. That's how we're able to have church is because faithful men teaching faithful men, hey, and faithful women teaching faithful women as well. Let's be faithful. Most of all, let's be faithful to God and his work. The Bible tells us in, in 2 Peter chapter 1, it says, it says uh, talks about the exceeding great and precious promises that we have from God to help us to live lives that are holy and righteous in God's eyes. And it says, uh, and, and beside all this, giving all diligence, giving all diligence add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance. But it starts with our faith. We need, to, we need to see our faith increase. We need to grow in faith, not just, not just uh, our, our trust in God, but we need to grow in, in faithfulness. We need to be full of faith, and we need to be, uh, we need to be uh, faithful, serving the Lord together. They learned how Paul conducted himself. They learned how he dealt with people. They learned how he ministered to others. And we see an example of that here in the next few verses. The Bible tells us, uh, the Bible tells us that, uh, that uh, verse 7, uh, upon the first, they, had, they had come into, in, into Troas there, it says in, in verse, uh, verse 5, and we sailed away, uh, away from, from Philippi after the days of, of unleavened bread and came, uh, came unto them to Troas in five days where we abode seven days. And upon the first day of the week, 
When the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow. And, he, and continued his speech until midnight. I'm not going to try to follow this example of Paul today. Anyway, you might get that later. Um, he, he preached until midnight. Um, but uh, when they came together, the Jewish, the Jewish day started at sunset. And so, and so what we would consider Saturday evening after sunset started the first day of the week. So there, when they came together on the first day of the week, they came together at sundown or at sunset to break bread. Uh, this, was, this was referred to often as, as a love feast, and they would they'd, uh, uh, eat together and spend time, time together, fellowshipping together. But one of the main things that they did is they took some time to partake of communion together. And, uh, and, and as, they, as they gather together and they're partaking of this, of this, uh, this feast, the Bible says Paul uh, was preaching. And, uh, and he, was, he preached until midnight because he was going to leave in the morning. And there were many lights in the upper chamber. They were gathered together uh, where they were gathered together. And there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus. It's interesting, his name means fortunate, and you'll see that he very, he very much was Eutychus. Uh, being fallen, to a deep, fallen into a deep sleep as Paul was long preaching. Um, now, many times, many times people fall asleep uh, when, when uh, a preacher is preaching. I try, to, I try to be loud enough and I try to be you know, uh, energetic enough or whatever to, to, uh, and, and to, to give you good content so that you're not falling asleep on me. Uh, but, if, but as I've said before, if, if I put you to sleep, I see it my responsibility to wake you up. Uh, but uh, Paul was long preaching and this man, Eutychus, fell asleep and he was in a deep sleep. Uh, and the Bible says that he sunk down with sleep. Remember, he's sitting in a window, not a safe place to sit, especially when you're up in the, the third level. Uh, he sunk down with sleep and fell, fell from the third loft and was taken up dead. From the third story, he fell out the window and he was dead. And Paul went down and fell on him and embraced him, said, trouble not yourselves, for his life is in him. Now, many times people would, in, in our day and time, we see somebody, we see somebody uh, uh, going, through their, going through their Christian life and they, and, and they, uh, they, get com- they get in a comfortable position in their Christian life and as everybody else is serving God, they get, they get comfortable and, and they fall asleep spiritually and they fall out. And I could take some time to preach about how he was more out than in, and so he fell out. And so, uh, but uh, I'm, I'm not going not gonna to go into all of that. Uh, but, but one thing that stuck out to me here, Paul didn't poke his head out the third loft window and say, yeah, it's what I expected out of Eutychus. Yeah, look at him laying down there. I thought he was not any better than that. I knew he'd fall out before long. He wasn't going to stick around very long. That's how a lot, of us, a lot of us tend to be, isn't it? Very critical of one another. Critical spirits. The Bible says charity or godly love suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doesn't behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. Listen to this. Thinketh no evil. When you see somebody going through something, the first thing in our mind shouldn't be, well, they're falling into sin. 
They weren't going to hang around very long anyway. No, we don't need to think, about the, think that way. We need, to, we need to love them enough to think good about them and to encourage them from the word of God and to see them restored. The Bible tells us in Galatians, if you see a brother overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, go to them and restore them in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself lest you also are tempted. See, we go to them and we try to encourage them and help them. Uh, but, uh, but as we're encouraging them and help, helping them, we need to be strengthened ourselves. Because many times those very things that, that they are going through, Satan is going to turn around and attack us with to try to get us to fall into that very same sin so we would, be not, so we would not be effective in helping them get back on track living for Jesus Christ. See how evil and wicked and crafty the devil is? That's why we need one another. We need, we need fellowship. We need encouragement. We need to stand together. And we need to be cautious and careful as we're serving God together. Koinonia. The Bible tells us that Paul, he didn't, he didn't look out the window critically. He went down to where Eutychus was. And he picked him up. The Bible tells us that he... That, his, his life uh, is, it was in him. And, and the Bible says when he was come up again and had broken bread he, and eaten, he talked a long while until the break of day. Uh, so he departed. And they brought the young man alive and were not a little comforted. They were very, very encouraged and comforted because of what, what had happened. Paul could have said, well, not my problem. But he went down to where the guy was and helped restore him. Who is it that God wants us to restore? As we're laboring together, there's going to come times that, that we need to restore somebody. There may be times when we need to be restored ourselves. Let's be open to it. Let's give ourselves to labor together and to, and to, to serve the Lord and serve one another. And when it's, when it's needed... We restore a brother or a sister who's fallen. The Bible then goes on and it says, and, and we went before to ship and sailed unto, unto Asos, there intending to take in Paul, for he had appointed, uh, for so he had appointed, minding himself to go afoot. He wanted to walk the 20 miles or so to Asos. And uh, when, he, when he met us at Asos, we took him in and came to Mytilene. And, uh, and uh, we sailed thence and came the next day over against uh, uh, Chios. And the next day uh, we arrived at Samos and, and tarried at, at uh, Trogilium. And the next day we came to Miletus. They're, so they're just kind of just on a, on a track, just journeying from place to place to place. And no doubt everywhere they're going, they're, they're sharing the gospel with somebody. For Paul had determined to sail by Ephesus because he would not spend time in Asia, for he hasted, if it were possible for him, to be at Jerusalem the, the day of Pentecost. And, and we see as he, as he, uh, as he approached uh, that, that region, that territory, he, he realized, hey, if I go into Ephesus, there's probably still folks there that are ready to, ready to cause another riot. So let's not, let's not do that. Let's just, let me just send word and call the leaders of the church to meet, to meet me. And so that's what he did. He, uh, from, Ephesus, from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and, ca- and called the elders of the church. Uh, and and he, he, began to, he began to talk with them and to exhort them. And he started, he started reminding them of his past example, of how he, had, how he had set an example before them. 
And it says, when they were come uh, to him, he said unto them, you know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you all, at all seasons. He said, look, we've gone, through, we've gone through many seasons of life together. And, and you've seen me th- during each of these seasons. And you've seen how I conducted myself. And the example that I set. He said, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations. He said, look, we've, he said, I've been humble in, in serving. He said, we've cried many tears together. We have, we have resisted temptation together, uh, perhaps temptation to, to get out of the ministry, temptation to, to not be a witness, temptation to, uh, to just go with the crowd or whatever it might be. We've, su- we've suffered many temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable for you. He said, look, as, as I ministered among you, I didn't hold back those things that were profitable for you. I didn't preach to you a message that, that would be comfortable for you to hear. I preached to you what you needed to hear. Because, see, the word of God is what we need to hear. The Bible says in the last days there's going to be perilous times that will come, dangerous times that will come. And I believe, that, I believe with all my heart that we are living in, in last days. And perilous times are upon us. We, hey, it's, it's dangerous out there. People, people are crazy. But the, but the, the, the troubling thing is that, is that it gets dangerous often to preach the word of God. There are countries around us, there are countries in the world around us where it is illegal, it is, it is illegal, it is dangerous to preach the word of God. Uh, even, even countries uh, as close as Canada will arrest pastors for preaching the truth of the word of God. That's sad. And I fear that we're not too far off here in America from that coming upon us. But he said, I kept back nothing that was profitable for you. See, here's the thing. I believe that it's my responsibility as pastor to preach the truth regardless of of what people think of the truth. I don't say that to be mean and unfeeling and unkind. I say it because, because I do love you. I am to preach the truth regardless of what people think of the truth. Now, I don't need to preach it in an offensive way. I've heard preachers say, you bunch of wicked heathens, you bunch of pagans, you're, you're all going to hell. You know, I've heard them say that nature, that kind of thing. It's not, it's not God's way. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. See, in his love, he wants to draw men unto himself. He said, Jesus said, and I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. You're not going to draw people to Christ if we're, if we're driving them away, beating them with a baseball bat that we call preaching the word of God. So you can take, the Bible says that the, that the word of God is a sword. And you can take that sword and you can cut off the ear with it. Or you can take that sword and it can be used to prick the heart and draw conviction. I want to I preach the truth in love and I want to preach uh, everything that is needful. I want to preach what you need to hear because church, it's my responsibility as pastor to do just that. 
But as I'm preaching it, it's your responsibility to receive it. As the under-shepherd, I am to feed the flock. And we're going to get to that in just a minute. But as I'm feeding, it's your responsibility to be eating. Paul said, uh, Paul said uh, I kept back nothing that was profitable for you and have showed you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. See, it's repentance toward God. We make a conscious decision to turn from religion, to turn from our self-efforts, to turn from our own uh, estimation of goodness, to turn from, uh, from our sin, uh, to turn from those things and turn to God. And we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is the one that is able to reconcile us to God by the blood that he shed on the cross at Calvary. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And you can't be good enough to earn your way to God. You can, you, can, you can say, I'm sorry for all the stuff I've done, and I believe in God, but if you don't go through Jesus, you're not going to heaven. There is one name given among men whereby we must be saved, the Bible says. And that's the name of Jesus at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's just important for you to do it this side of eternity. Because if you wait until you're dead, then when you stand before God on the day of judgment, you will confess Jesus is Lord, but only then it'll be too late. We testify both to the Jews and the Greeks and everybody else around us. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul said, now, behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. He's like, he's like I'm headed to Jerusalem, and I don't know what I'm going to, everything I'm going to encounter there. He said, but the Holy Ghost has showed me in every city that I've gone to that bonds and afflictions abide me. I'm going through bonds and afflictions in every, every city for the sake of the gospel. Later on, Paul testifies and he says, he said, I'd have you know, brethren, that the things which have happened unto me have fallen out rather into the furtherance of the gospel. You know, if, if it were us, many times we, we'd, we'd be tempted to, to say, you know, I went to Iconium and there was trouble. I went to Berea and there was trouble. I went to Derby and there's trouble. I went to Lister and there's trouble. Thessalonica, trouble. Ephesus, trouble. Corinth, trouble. I'm just going to stop going places, right? But not Paul. He stayed with it. He said, I know in every city, bonds and afflictions, it's, it's just part of my life. I mean, he, did, he didn't go check out the nice, the nice inn and the hotel and everything when he got to town. He went, he went to check out the nice prison cell and see what that looked like because he'd be there very soon, you know? Uh, but uh, but he, he said, bonds and afflictions abide me. And I'm going to Jerusalem because I'm going to testify to the people there of Jesus Christ. But notice what he said in verse 24. But none of these things move me. You know what he said? The bonds, they're not going to get me to stop. The afflictions... 
They're not going to turn me aside. The persecution, the people trying to kill me, the Jews lying in wait, they're not going to to get me to stop. As long as I'm drawing breath, I am going to preach Jesus Christ and they're not going to deter me from doing what Jesus has called me to do. Hey, that's the faithfulness that we need to be living. That's the faithfulness that we need to be encouraging one another with. As as Paul was was living his life to to show Aristarchus and Gaius and Timothy and all these others the way that God wants us to live. Hey, that's the faithfulness that he was that he was embodying, that he was exemplifying, and that's what he wanted them to to uh, to adopt for themselves and be faithful and not let the persecutions and the troubles that we face turn us aside from living for God. Hey, it is hard sometimes to live for God, but the rewards are far more worth it. And we might not we might not see a lot of a lot of appreciation and gratitude and and uh, and rewards this side of eternity but hey the retirement plan is out of this world It's incredible Paul said none of these things move me neither count I my life dear unto myself He's like if I if if I die guess what I get to be with Jesus. He said in one place, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. It's a promotion to get to go to heaven. I, it's, it's, not, it's not a hardship. It's not trouble uh, for, for me to die, he said. I'm excited for it. In fact, history tells us that, that when Paul was, was being led to the place of, of his execution where he would have his head cut off, uh, he, uh, history tells us that he broke free from the guards and went running to the chopping block and laid his head down there because he was ready to go see Jesus. But many of us were like, Jesus, I just hope you don't come back today. There are some more things I'd really like to be doing. But sadly, those things often are not telling somebody about Jesus. We need to be faithful to him. We need to have our heart set on him. When Paul came to the end of his life, he said, he said, I am ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. Therefore, he said, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, uh, he said, I, I've, I fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've, I've kept the faith. There, henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me in that day, but not to me only, but also to all them who love his appearing. They're looking forward to seeing Jesus face to face. But I'll tell you, if we're living an unfaithful life, a life of unfaithfulness to Jesus, we're not going to be excited to see him. We're going to be ashamed before him at his coming. But he's wanting us to to live our lives for him and tell everybody we can about him so that when he comes at a time that you and I don't know, I mean, it could happen right now. Hey, we, we go to be with him and we stand before him and we rejoice in his goodness. We rejoice in his salvation and, we're, and we don't have to stand before him and say, God, oh, I'm so sorry I didn't live for you. We can say, Lord Jesus, I'm not worthy to be here, but praise your holy name that I'm here and look who I brought with me. We can be excited and long for his appearing. As, Paul, as John said at the end of the book of, of Revelation, he said, even so, come Lord Jesus. 
Is that your prayer? Is that the longing of your heart? Are you living your life in in faithfulness to God and learning more about him and striving to tell others about him and, and letting others see Jesus in you so much so that you long to see Jesus? If not, why don't, we, why don't we talk to Jesus about that today? Why don't we let him, let him begin his work of cleaning out the, the cares of this life out of our heart? Why don't we repent of those things that we have desired more than we want him? I remember when, before Mackenzie and I got married, she was living in Oregon and I was living in Georgia. Those phone calls were expensive because we had to pay long distance for long distance calls then and and uh, but from time to time I'd go visit her she'd come visit she'd come visit my family and and uh, and I remember just counting down those days and oh if there was anything I could do to take a day out of that or or just make that time short or whatever mm, somewhere I've got somewhere I've got a I've got a piece of paper that where where I was at work one day and and on my break. I sketched out little little clocks that showed the number of hours, the number of minutes, and the number of seconds it was until I'd get to see her. Now that's how excited I was to see her. How excited should we be to see the one who gave his life for us so that we could have eternity? Eternity with him. Even so, come Lord Jesus. But are we living a life of faithfulness? Paul said, none of these things, the the afflictions, the persecutions, it doesn't move me. Neither count on my life dear unto myself so that I may finish my course with joy in the ministry which I've received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. He said, and now... He, he, he was talking to them about his past ex- example. And he said, he said, and now his present testimony. He said, behold, I know that, that ye all among whom I've gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. He said, now I'm about to leave and you're not going to see me again. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. He said, look guys, I'm about to leave. The circumstances are about to change. When, when, Paul, when Paul left, there were men that had to step up. There were people that had to, be, had to put themselves, had, to, had to, to make themselves available to serve the Lord in a leadership capacity. He said, you're not going to see me anymore. I'm not going to be making another, another trip by here to kind of give you a little, uh, a little uh, booster and, and kind of encourage you and give you a little more tidbit here and there. He did write him a letter, but he said, you're not going to see me anymore. Then he begins to tell them of his future concerns. He said, hey, I need to caution you about something. He said, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. These, these uh, pastors there uh, serving the church, uh, the churches that were there in, in the city of Ephesus, uh, these, these pastors, uh, he said, uh, Paul told them, he said, take heed that you, he said, take heed to yourself that you feed the flock. He said, you, you, you be careful about your heart. You be careful about your spirit. You be careful about, about yourself. Keep yourself in line with Jesus Christ and be sensitive to the needs of the flock. He, he said, over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers. 
Why? Because, because the church, that flock that they were overseeing, they, that flock belongs to Jesus Christ. The church doesn't belong to the pastor. Jesus purchased the church with his own blood, and he's entrusted the church to the leadership of the pastor to teach and to lead, to feed uh, the flock. And, and he said, he said uh, teach them, and feed them. Then he gave them a warning. He said, but I know this. After my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you. He said, there are going to be people coming in from the outside just trying to infiltrate the church to to cause trouble, to cause division, to cause distraction, and and to destroy the church from within. Not sparing the flock. He said, also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw disciples away after them. He's like, hey, some of you, some of you guys, you're even going to get, get lifted up in pride and you're going to try to influence people to follow you and to d- separate them from the flock, from the flock of God. Now, I, I thank God it doesn't seem that we have anybody like that around here. Praise the Lord. But, it, but, but if, there, if, there is, if there is a wolf that sneaks in somewhere. You better believe I'm going to be wary. I'm going to be watching. I'm going to be, I'm going to be listening. And, and, and if, you, if you catch wind of, 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 a, of, a, wolf's, of a wolf's howl or his, his growl or something like that, and, and you see a wolf sniffing around, please, please, please come tell me. It's not gossip either. If there's something that's going to cause trouble in the church, as pastor, as the overseer, as the leader that God has placed here, I must know about it. I'm not, an, I'm not all-knowing. Only God is. But I need you to tell me about it. So I can deal with it. Now, I'll deal with it graciously. I'll deal with it lovingly. But at the same time, I've got, to, I've, got to, I've got to search my own heart. I've got to keep myself in check. I've got to spend, uh, spend large amounts of time in the Word of God, letting God lead me and guide me to, so I know what to feed and to teach the church. He said, therefore, watch. And remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God. And to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among them which are sanctified. I've coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yea, you you yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. I've showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Cultivating a spirit of grace, a spirit of generosity, a spirit of hospitality, a spirit of encouragement, a, a spirit, of, a, a spirit of, of love in the church. Why? Because that's the character of Christ. And if we are going to be Christ-like, we need to be demonstrating the character of Christ in our lives. And it starts right here with the pastor. But as I'm leading, as I'm teaching, it's the res- that's my responsibility, but it's the responsibility of the church to eat what is served and to follow the, the leadership. 
I know that that can sound brash and that can sound, that can sound you know, self-serving or whatever, but let me tell you, I didn't ask to be pastor. But I'm grateful that I can be. I love serving God as, a, as the pastor in his church. I love serving his church by pastoring the church. My heart's desire is to feed you the word of God and to teach you to feed yourself. To see you grow up in Christ and develop the character of Christ so that you, so that you, many of you men, I would love, I would love to see God take you and put you in churches to help you to plant a church somewhere around here, maybe uh, close by so we can maintain good fellowship or far away if God sees fit to do that. But I want to see you in the center of God's will doing what God has called us as a church to do. You might say, but I could never be used by God. I could never pastor a church. That's what I said too. But Paul saw that it was not in him. Let me tell you, I recognize that I, I am, apart from Jesus Christ, I am incapable of doing this. I'm flesh. I'm weak. I need Jesus. And, and I'll, I'll tell you, I've got this book right here, and I've got the Holy Spirit of God. And I study this book to make sure that what I'm saying is, is the Word of God. But I encourage you to have your Bibles and, and, to, and to read your Bible and to see that what I'm saying is the Word of God. Because as we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God, we're going to grow in confidence in one another and, and grow in confidence in Jesus Christ and what He is able to do and what He will do. And as we grow closer, as, in, in, as we grow closer to Him and closer to one another, the, hey, they just better watch out because this church is going to be unhinged. And I don't mean that in a, like a wild and crazy way. I mean, I mean we're going to be doing something big for Jesus. This building won't be enough Three services in this building won't be enough because we're going to be reaching people with the gospel. Not so we can say, look what a large church we have built. No, 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 no. But so we can do what Paul did pray. And we can say, Lord Jesus, I just want to praise you for the people that have been reached with your gospel. And thank you that you have chosen to use us as tools in your hand to build your church. Amen. Jesus, I'm, I'm a tool. That's not a big compliment to, pe to many people. But as, a, as long as I'm your tool, I'm good with it. Take us and use us, Jesus. Laboring together, not against one another. Laboring together and encouraging others to labor with us. getting more accomplished for Jesus Christ. Lord, do your work, we pray. Lord, there's one reason why we're here, and that is to, that is to glorify you. We glorify you by edifying the church and evangelizing the world. So please help us to do that. Jesus, I know one day I'm going to stand before you face to face and you're going to, you're going to look at me and you're going to 
call me to give an account for what, I, what I've said and what I've done. You're going to call me to give an account for what I said that you said. And Jesus, I take that very seriously and, and you know that. Please help us to listen, to learn, to grow, to stand, to serve. Help us, Jesus, to be dedicated together. And for all that you do in us and through us, we'll thank you and praise you. Jesus, I pray that of this, ch that of this church, you will call men to preach to be pastors. I pray that from this church you will, call, uh, you will call missionaries. I pray that from this church you will call evangelists. I pray that you'll call, uh, you'll call us to, to serve in different capacities. But Lord, being a pastor, a preacher, a missionary, a, an evangelist, th those aren't like a special class of people. It's just people serving you in a specific ministry. We're all called to do the same thing, and that is to preach the gospel. So Jesus, I pray that all of us will be stirred and motivated to get out and give the good news to a world that needs to hear it. Please do your work in us and through us. In Jesus' name.